0: In a previous class, I talked to you about um, the essay that we are going to deal uh, swamp speak. So Rengarajanana, essay. This is the tenth chapter of her book: Echo Criticism: Big Ideas and Practical Strategies. So in this essay she is trying to talk about what is the geographical importance of swamps what is its historical um, story and she takes examples from literature she takes four pieces of literature from uh, 1700 onwards Sornalata Rangarajan has carefully arranged four pieces of literature, the first one uh, from 1678, the second one almost 100 years later, an essay by Henry David Thoreau in 1861, then again 100 years later in 1960, a poem by the American poet Gary Snyder, and finally a novel from 2011. Gift in Green by Sarah Joseph. So, all the pieces of literature she has chosen are spaced in time properly. There is a lot of gap between the uh, time in which these works were written. So, it will give us uh, how the perceptions of swamps have changed over how the cultural experience of Swamp has changed over time. This is what she is trying to explore through this essay. So this essay can be uh, considered as what we can call ecocriticism. Which means trying to analyze elements of nature in literature. One branch of ecocriticism is more popular Ecofeminism, in which women and nature are connected and how they are oppressed by patriarchy and exploitation. This is what ecofeminism studies. In this essay, we have an eco-critical study of four pieces of literature starting from uh, 17th century onwards. The first work is Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. This essay, the author is trying to see how swamps are represented in literature. That is the basic idea. That is the entire essay. Mumba, she is trying to analyze what is the importance of swamp. In culture, we usually see see swamp as a place of betrayal. But the reality is, swamps are extremely important for the balancing of nature's biodiversity. Swamps act as nature's kidneys. Like a kidney in a body, the swamp can filter all the waste that can harm uh, the uh, natural habitats. That is the importance of nature. But this element of water plus land makes many people fear uh, swamps. They also think swamp is a place where people can get trapped and they might die but in reality in the case of uh, nature, swamp has extreme importance. So in the beginning she tries to see what is eco-criticism. what does it study, how does it study literature. And this essay is a piece of ecocritical studies. See, she starts with uh, an introduction where she is outlining what she is going to do in the essay. She is trying to look at the geographical importance of swamps. Then she is trying to examine how swamps are represented in diverse literature pieces. Her period of literature covers almost 400 years, starting from 17th century, ending in 2011. She looks at John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, Henry David Thoreau, an American naturalist, uh, his essay, Walking, then a song, a poem by Gary Snyder, Second Shaman Song, that is the name of the poem, that was written in 1960. Then finally ending with Sarah Joseph's gift in green. So then uh, she is trying to examine first what is swamp, what is its importance. So she is saying that it is acting like nature's kidneys, as I said before. Also, there are some other importance. Many people fear wetland. You can call it swamps as wetland which means it is a land but it is filled with water so both land and water at the same time and what is its importance that is what she is trying to analyze in the beginning those swamp areas or wetlands are immensely important for ecology many cultures people dislike them they look at it with hostility. William Howarth, an ecologist, in his essay Imagined Territory, The Writing of Wetlands says there are four reasons why human beings dislike wetlands. The first reason is that they make us feel claustrophobic. Claustrophobia is the feeling that you get when you are locked inside a room this is what many of us might have felt during the lockdown times when we are not allowed to go outside our houses so this feeling of claustrophobia is what wetland is offering to people when you look at a mountain or a valley or an ocean we feel so much peaceful our thoughts became very high and very peaceful Such serene atmosphere or such serene thoughts cannot be provided by wetlands. Wetlands are places of decay and change. So what happens is people then cannot see beautiful thoughts when they see a wetland. They will now have to think their inner thoughts. They will have to look inside themselves. Which is very uncomfortable for many of us. The second reason Howard points out why people dislike wetland is it because they are places of becoming which means that wetlands are constantly changing. Whatever comes to wetland the wetland will transform it into other materials but it takes a very slow Uh, even full time. It will take a lot of time and patience and the slowness of the process can inspire in us humility. We'll feel patience and humility and if you don't like having these feelings of patience of waiting you might dislike wetland. While ecologically important Many cultures see that wetlands are not likable to human beings. William Howard points out the third reason why wetlands are disliked by people. Wetlands, as the name suggests, are in between lands, between water and land. So, it feels like undecided. We cannot decide whether it is land or water. So this uncertainty, this undecidability makes us feel uncomfortable. That is the third reason. A fourth reason is that wetlands does not produce oxygen which humans require. The process of change, the decay that happens inside wetlands produces methane gas which are poisonous for human beings. So human beings generally avoid wetlands and because people started deforestation they started attacking wetlands and wetlands have reduced all over the world. For example in America in the 1600s In the 17th century, there were 2 crore acres of wetland. Swamp areas were about 2 crore. By 1980s, it has reduced to 1 crore. Which means that half of the wetland has been completely taken away. It has been destroyed. It has been turned to agricultural lands. Now we must understand that before Europeans came to America, there were native Americans there. They lived in these swamps. They had subsistence farming, foraging and hunting. Wetlands were not a problem for them. But when the Europeans came with their culture of agriculture, they started large scale agriculture in these areas. So what happens was. When they came to America, they tried to kill all these Native Americans who were living in the swamps, converted these wetland areas into agricultural areas where the Europeans could cultivate. So the destruction of wetlands was similar to the destruction of Native Americans in America. It was the Puritans in England who came primarily to America. Now the Puritans when they came to America they thought themselves as covenant people as in chosen by God. So for them the new land was to be transformed and make it more civilized. So. Without understanding the importance of wetlands or the culture and lifestyle of the people, the Native Americans who lived there, these pilgrim fathers, these Europeans who came to America started to transform this land to make it more habitable, to make it more like plains. The Native Americans did not see the land as private property, they did not try to make it as for themselves, they did not try to divide the land into their own property, but the people who came, the Europeans, tried to transform this wetland into agricultural areas and they thought that wetlands will stop travel it we cannot construct anything in wetlands so for civilization to happen we need to transform this wetland into agricultural areas and other places so these native americans according to europeans were not civilized people so what they attempted to do then was to transform this land these wetlands into habitable agricultural areas. That is what they finally did. So one of the major wars between these people were called the Great Swamp War between the Europeans who came to America and the Narragansett tribe. It is one of the Native American tribes. So, the Puritans then massacred many men and women and children during this war. And this war also helped Europeans to settle down in America as well as uh, throw these people out of their lands and transform the land itself into agricultural areas. That is what they attempted to do with this So this is what we can call the uh, historical importance of wetlands. The first work she examines is the 1678 Christian novel The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Now in Bunyan's work we see a character Christian whose dream is to go to the celestial city he sees the world we live in as a place of treachery and uh, misery it is full of sin so like a true Christian he should now go from his city of destruction in search of the celestial city the heavenly city so that is his attempt so from the city of destruction that is the mortal world He has to go to the immortal world. But it is not an easy task. He has to go through several difficult geographical regions. And one of these difficult geographical regions is nothing but the wetland or the swamp area. This swamp area in Pilgrim's Progress is uh, a place of sin, a place of desperation, a place of misery. Now remember that this novel was written in 1678 three years after the Great Swamp War in America. So, this is how we should see it. So, generally there was a dislike towards swamp areas and John Bunyan, when he wrote about uh, Christians, that is the name of the main character in Pilgrim's Progress, when he decides to go from the city of destruction, his homeland, to the new land, the city of or what it was a celestial city a, uh, the city where everything is beautiful and serene so his path is full of difficulties and obstacles and one of the obstacles that he finds is known as the Slough of Despond. it is nothing but a swamp it is a wetland area in which people are completely disappointed they fall into it and they can never come back from it. It is a depressing place where people will fall into a place and they cannot survive that. It is a disappointment, the place of disappointment. So, this now uh, shows us how John Bunyan saw wetland. He saw it as a place of sin and filth. A place that cannot be cured. A place that cannot be remedied, a place that cannot be made solid. It is always wet and always treacherous and full of desperation, filth, sin. That is how he saw the swamp. So, what we can do then is to go through this swamp by managing it. We can We have to transform this land to make it more manageable. And that is what the Americans who moved from England to America, the Europeans who moved from England to America decided to do. They transformed the swamp area. So, John Bunyan was also a Puritan. He was a great religious believer and he a Puritan and he also believed that swamp areas are destructive places. They are sinful places, they symbolize sin, misery and filth. So in that time, there was general dislike towards swamp areas. People did not like this land between land and water. Either they liked land, they liked water, but they did not like this in between land. They did not know the importance of such places. So, we, when we write about swamps, there is always this hateful tone. We dislike swamp. When we talk about swamp, we talk about it in a very negative and derogatory manner. So, what we need now is what we, the author's title suggests, Swamp Speak where we can positively talk about the importance of Swamp, how Swamp can contribute to culture and civilization. To talk about Swamp in a positive manner, we need a new language. We need a new tradition. A tradition that will go against the general dislike that many cultures and people have about Swamps. This is what Rod Giblet that is one of the ecologists, in his postmodern wetlands the book was written in 1996 in that very important book on ecology postmodern wetlands he says we need a new swamp speak (laughs) we need a new swamp speak Pragradhi atratola mashimana number logathan etratola readila and then a positive at Kana Namka Sandikana. I didn't we put your tradition number Thoranga. Y tradition, either Nelanirana, Sambare Kurchula Moshma Ridirla Vartanangal Khiraitman numbing in Pudya Ridi Toranga. Adriana number counter tradition. A tradition so, feminism is a counter-tradition to patriarchy. Adho we need what is known as swamp-speak that will go against the mainstream tradition of seeing swamp as a place of treachery, sin and filth. That is what this discussion of um, John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress ends. We now move on to Walking, an essay by Henry David Thoreau. This was written in 1861.
1: We saw a very negative description of swamp in Pilgrim's Progress, but later philosophers and writers started to think more deeply about the importance of swamp, and a swamp speak started to emerge in America. This was uh, reflected in the writings of Henry David Thoreau. He was a philosopher and a nature lover. He was part of a movement known as Transcendentalism. What does it mean? Transcendentalism looked to nature and believed that what we gather from our five senses is not enough there is so much truth and beauty in nature also there is so much too we can learn from nature that apart from our five senses we have a soul and this soul can communicate with nature so nature is equally important for our life so this is the main idea of transcendentalism this philosophy was propagated by many painters, many writers, many philosophers of 17th and 18th century America. One of those writers was Ralph Waldo Emerson and his friend Henry David Thoreau. Henry David Thoreau wrote a very long uh, book called Walden which describes his experience in living alone away from society in a small wooden cabin near a pond that was called Walden and staying there and writing about nature before he wrote this work he wrote an essay called walking in which he describes the beauty of walking in nature and how it affects our soul. In this essay, he tries to see swamp in a very positive light. He calls it a dark Aden. Now Aden is a place where life originated according to Bible. Now swamp is usually a place where we see death happens. Or decaying happens. So, he has uh, brought two images together to make it a dark Eden in which life happens because decaying and swamp occurs. So, swamp is also very, it is not a place of destruction, it is also a place of creation. These two images he symbolically brings together this is one of the major things he talks about in walking. So this dark Eden is not his idea but he borrows it to explore how creativity and destruction are two sides of the same coin in nature. And Swamp plays an important role towards this. He says that if a township has to survive, we need a forest above the ground and a forest that is dying below it. So you might see that in the forest, we have many living trees, but there are also trees that died and becomes manure for the living trees. So the process of creation and decay happens together. This is what the importance of uh, swamp is for. Thoreau and all the other transcendentalists. These people, they were poets, they were painters, they tried to describe such swamp areas in a positive light. That is their importance to their contribution to a rethinking of swamp and what we can term as swamp speak. This was quite different from how John Bunyan has portrayed swamps. These people, like people like Thoreau, have started to understand the ecological importance of swam as well as the positive influence the swam can have on the human soul. Because, according to Ralph Waldo Emerson, the friend of Henry David Thoreau, who was also a philosopher, he says, All aspects of nature are not a wise toy for people. Everything in nature has its importance we might dislike swamp but swamps are very important for nature so this is the basic idea of that henry david thoreau explores in his essay walking which we can term as a swamp speak that is speaking positively about areas like geographical areas like swamp the third literature we are looking at is a poem by Gary Snyder. Snyder is an American poet. He has written mostly poems about ecology and he is what is now known as deep ecologist. Deep ecology deals with ecology in a very interesting manner. They talk about the importance of nature not in relation with human beings. It is completely non-human centric. That is the uh, thrust of Deep Ecology in which poets or writers or philosophers of Deep Ecology doesn't think nature as useful to human beings. They think nature is in itself a wonderful thing, a necessary thing and human beings are only one part of it and not even a necessary part. This is the main philosophy of Deep Ecology. Now, Gary Snyder is an interesting figure. He is a poet and he has dealt deep into the loss of nature in American land. What entailed the loss of nature is also the loss of lives and habitat of many people, what we call the Native Americans. So, he says that that is a great loss indeed. His poem is about the culture of the Native Americans, their preservation of nature as it is, their civilization in opposition to the destructive habits of European Americans, the people who have come from Europe, who tried to destroy nature and wetlands. So this song, what is known as the second shaman song, it is from his book, Myths and Text. Which is a collection of poem written in nine published in nineteen sixty. Now this poem is a work of deep ecology. And look at the title, the shaman. Who is the shaman? Shaman is a mythical healer. Which means like in Malayalam we say Durmandravadi. Alangil Adu you... Paryakalate healer. Are you... Uh, doctor, uh, tribal doctor, healer, shaman. So in tribal uh, life, shamans, shamans played a very important role. Shamanism is the practice of healing people And trying to converse with death. They act as channels between humans and non-humans. It is the way you speak to God and devil. To uh, creatures that you cannot normally speak to. So they act as channels. So they try to cure people through such methods. So these are called shaman. Now shaman when you think about scientifically, it is a very, it is like superstition. But they performed a very important function in the uh, native tribal life. They respected nature and for them nature was like God itself. Now shamans were also people who stood in between uh, humans And gods, humans and devils. So this in-betweenness is also reflected in what we know as swamp. Swamp is a place between land and water. It is a place of life and death. So this shaman is also a person who is between humans and non-humans. A place a, a, a person who can talk to the living and the So, this in-between feature is what is characterized in the poem, the second shaman song by Gary Snyder. When he was writing this poem, a large amount of wetlands in America were being destroyed by big big companies and agricultural uh, corporates. So, he tried to write about such things. Through his poem. He brings in images of human and non-human and the importance of swamp areas, the importance of shamans in protecting nature. So he is trying to bring together many images like life and death, wet and land, decay and creation, life and non-life, all these various things feature in his poem to create an aura of in-betweenness, a land, a place and a situation where different things, opposing things come together. Now we know that wetland is a place where land which is a different thing as opposed to water comes together. That is how we characterize a wetland. The shaman is a channel between life and death, between god and humans. So, this is reflected, symbolized in the uh, feature of uh, swamp also. So, we can see in Gary Snyder's poem, we try to see swamp just like Thoreau tried to see swamps. We can call it also swamp speak. So, from Bunyan, when we reach uh, Snyder, we can see a total radical shift in how people tried to see natural geographies. While in Benyan there was a total disregard and seeing Zawamba as a place of filth and sin we come to see in people like Snyder and Thoreau that wetlands are a place of life where life and death comes together and join together the death is also creation of life death leads to creation so we see that this is also swamp speak now we come to the last and final piece of literature that swarnalatha rangarajan talks about in her essay swamp speak this is a identifiable piece of literature that you already learnt a part of what we are talking about is The Gift in Green by Sara Joseph, a Malayalam writer, whose novel Aati has been translated into English. We have read a portion of that um, novel last uh, in the year, first year in common general English paper in which the story of Abraham, his wife Sarah, and his second wife. Hagar was depicted with great emotion. But the importance of that story is, it has been transformed of biblical situation to a story of nature and ecology. Now the entire novel is about a place called Aati, where people have been living in uh, total harmony with nature. Now Another person, a person who has lived in Aati previously, then went to the city, now has come back. His name is Kumaran, and what he tries to do is to corporatize the land. He tries to exploit the land, and all the government is with him. So nobody in the village can try to stop him. What in the end happens is, the land is uh, devoid of all. Uh, oxygen and all natural uh, things, and a flood comes, and the entire land has been uh, erased of all the poisonous things which Kumaran has brought through companies and other things. So, this is the basic overall story of um, Aati or Gifting Green. Now there are passages in this uh, novel which talks about marshy areas or swamp areas. That is why this uh, novel is taken up for our study. In one particular chapter there is a um, a magician or a person who tries to attract, uh, who tells stories and he tries to tell the story of a person who the word the magician who tries to uh, lead small children to marshy areas uh, by luring them, by giving to a cart of sweets. He has a cart of sweets and he leads the children to a marshy area and he empties all the sweets into the marsh and the children can only watch. They can watch the sweets go down into the marsh they cannot catch it the sweets all go and disappear so uh, then he asks the children do you want a marshy area like this or do you want a playground to play so the children says uh, we don't like marshy areas we love a playground we want a playground that's what they answer but then he tells a story he tells the story of a water goddess now the water goddess lives in a palace of water but this water is sustained to be it's very pure this water is very pure but this purity is maintained because of the filtering effect of the marshy areas once you dry out the marshy areas the purity of the water is gone the palace of the water goddess get destroyed and the water goddess Uh, leaves the place in search of other marshy areas. This is what happens when you dry out marshy areas. That is the moral of the story that the magician tells the children. So when the water goddess leaves the place, she curses the place with droughts. When the droughts comes, there is no more water in the place and we cannot do any agriculture. There is no more products. There is no nature complete. Everything is destroyed and there is only Uh, patches of land and there is not even grass so now livestock no fruits no vegetables no rice nothing grows in this raft areas so that is the curse of the water goddess so all of this happens as a consequence of drying out the marshy areas where the water goddess could have lived in her water palace the purity of the water is maintained by the filtering effect of the marshy land so this is the importance of marshy areas, as described in the story. So, uh, in an interview with Valsan Thambu, Sara Joseph. Well, Valsan Thambu is nobody but the translator of the novel into English. Sara Joseph wrote the novel in Malayalam as Athi and it was translated to in English by Valsan Thambu as Gift in Green. So there was an interview between both of them, where Valsan Thambu asked the inspiration of this story. She says she has visited a place in Kerala called Olandakal. Now this place had a lot of people a very village, a very beautiful place, lot of marshy areas lot of water, wetlands and people there survived by uh, collecting mollusks which are like shellfish and uh, selling them. So they used to get about 300 rupees every Day so Sarajoso asked them Why don't we collect them all and you can get more money, but they said no We are happy with what we have got because if we collect all the uh, fish in the all the fish in the um, Area there won't be any more new fish so they understand the importance of ecological balance so they tried not to destroy nature They want to survive, they want nature to survive, so there is a balance between nature and the people there. This inspired Sara Joseph to write the story of Aati. So this is about Aati and the importance of marshy area. And remember that the novel was written in 2011, it was published in 2011. So we have travelled from Pilgrim's Progress written in 16th century to 2011. Just 9 years from where we are studying now. So we have covered about 400 years how different uh, times have produced different aspects of literature which dealt with swamp in different manners. When we saw in Bunyan we saw that he was writing very negatively about swamp but when we come to uh, Thoreau and Gary Snyder and Sarah Joseph, we see a gradual understanding of how important spams are and what are their ecological importance and how do they help create life while decaying old and dead things. So creation and rebirth, everything happens in a cycle. So this maintenance of this ecological cycle is important. The new writers understand this so their writings can be called as swamp speak or speaking for swamps speaking positively about swamps so these are the four pieces of literature that Sonalada Rangarajan has tried to uh, deal with in this essay now we come to the conclusion of the essay i have said previously that this essay is a very good example of how to write an academic essay because this essay contains a good introduction and it contains the history and geography of the uh, swamps then she looks at four pieces of literature where she compares how swamps are being characterized in these literature pieces over years finally she concludes the essay now what does the conclusion holds this conclusion has Uh, summarizes what she tried to do in the essay and her own summary says that she tried an encyclopedic approach to this area which means that she tried to do a birds overview of what has been happening she started with a brief uh, description of the geography of swamps then she dealt with its historical importance she looked at uh, four pieces of literature across time over 400 years and to see how literature treated swamps or swamp areas so her own approach we can call it a. she herself calls it an encyclopedic approach to swamps but she says this is not uh, the end we can develop further research on this so one important um, aspect of research is this is generally about research that our research depend on people who have come before us and our research should lead to future researches that is it should be a continuation our research should not end the subject we cannot end the subject and we should not indicate that this is the last word in the subject we should open the area so that other people also can work on it so in her last conclusion towards the last uh, pages she describes what can other people do how can other people do research on swamp and literature and other things so two or three ideas she herself gives for example what is a post colonial approach to swamp areas for uh, she suggests that we can look at how swamps were treated before colonization how are peoples uh, people uh, how did people approach uh, swamp areas before uh, colonization happened for example in india how were swamp areas looked at and what happened after colonization so this is an area that people can look at another area in which we can look at is ecofeminism Ecofeminism tried to look at how women and nature are interconnected in being exploited by men and patriarchy. So, we can look at how swamp areas are also influenced by nature and women. That is one other area we can do research on. We can also look at Geographical studies, as in, uh, there are many marshy areas between Canada and US, there are many uh, boundaries, the boundaries between US and Canada contain lot of marshy areas. So these land cannot be considered as part of either Canada or America or it can be considered as both America and Canada at the same time. So what happens to national boundaries? So that is a good question. So, most of these national boundaries in these marshy areas become very porous. Which means that we cannot see whether this belongs to Canada or this belongs to America. This raises the question of whether land belongs to one country or the other. Or whether we can hold land as belonging to one country or the other. So, national boundaries are, we can question them. So, this this will become very important uh, at a at the present time when we are having very difficult relationship with our neighbors, whether it is Nepal, China or Pakistan, we are having very difficult relationship with nature because we are always fighting our lands. And many people are being killed because of it. It becomes a matter of national pride. So we can raise these questions in terms of nature, ecology and geography. So these are many areas through which research can be done about swamp areas she has done one particular research which he she calls encyclopedic mode of study she looks at different different things and gives an overview of everything but we can also do research in swamp areas looking at different aspects of it we can look at the post-colonial approach we can look at an eco-feministic approach we can look at in nationalistic studies we can look at in terms of Other things were uh, the psychology of the swamp areas, how uh, uh, swamp areas affect our uh, psychology or our minds. So these are various fields of study that we can do further research on. So like a very good academic essay, she concludes the essay by showing the future of such research. So this is the basic overview of the entire essay about Swamp Speak. Thank you.